Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Well, good morning. I'm so glad that we get to study God's Word together today, whether you're at home online at a service or a picnic in the park. Uh, Today, we're doing something a little bit different, Uh, not quite a formal sermon as much as a seminar to help us as we continue our study to learn what it is to have hope for dark days. We've been doing a study through the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to continue that. And so if you turn in your Bibles there uh, this morning, uh, we've been learning that Habakkuk actually helps us understand how to handle evil times. So whether or not it's in the pandemic right now or something in the future, God wants to prepare our hearts uh, for what it means to walk through dark days. It's actually really hard uh, to wait in the dark. So as we face dark days, let's just acknowledge for a moment Waiting in the dark, dark is actually pretty difficult. So from the time we were little, if you, were, if you woke up in the middle of the night and, and you heard a bump in the night somewhere and, and you woke up and it was dark all around you and, and you just kind of had that moment of fear and you were kind of paralyzed by that, it's hard when it's dark. And, and even as adults in metaphorically dark days, we might be like a kid in that way. I remember a a mission trip I was on. I was in Zambia, and we were taking an overnight train uh, to the next city that we were going to go to. And uh, so we were in the middle of the dark, in the middle of of this train that seemed to stop at every little goat path along the way. And it was hard to know that we were waiting uh, in the middle of the night. It's just harder at night than it is in the daytime. And so it was easy to be frustrated and short-tempered uh, with team members on that trip. I just remember uh, that we were freezing cold. It was dark. It was, we just couldn't wait for the trip to be over. So when you have to wait in the dark, how do you respond? Uh, when you lose your job, when you get a bad report of health, when, when there's some sort of relationship blowout, when you fail a test, the dark days really surround us. How do you respond? Many times we have fear or we're frustrated or we try to fix it. Sometimes people retreat into self-pity. Sometimes we just distract ourselves with, with items of comfort and just to get our minds off of things instead of working through them. But when those moments are dark and you're waiting in the dark, what do you want the most? Well, we want to be rescued. But, but more specifically, not just rescued, we want somebody to turn the light on. We, we want the clarity of what's coming next because the, it's so uncertain. We can't see in front of us. We want to know what the end result is. We want somebody to show us the way because it's dark. Today, I want to... Uh, teach a lesson here today called Waiting for God in the Dark. And this is really just part one. Uh, We'll do part two next week. And today I just want to introduce you to a tool to help you learn how to hold God's hand in the dark. So Habakkuk uh, has been complaining to God. He's been, uh, he's been lamenting to God, and he's wrestling with God faithfully. He, he's asked God for a response, and God gave a response that he wasn't real thrilled with. So he complained to God a second time, and, and then God's second response, we kind of covered a little bit last week, but in Habakkuk 
chapter 2, verse 3, God says, uh, says this, uh, for, uh, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Here's the key part that we really want to focus on today. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So waiting for God in the dark. Really, I want to address the question, why do we have to wait? If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God says it, it's coming, but why, God? Why do I have to wait right now? Why, why is this waiting required? That, that's one of the things I want to answer. And to, and, and to help us understand the question, uh, we have to understand how we fit into God's big story. Now, let me go to the whiteboard to explain this a bit for us. So we're talking about God's story. And what we see here is that God tells his story to us uh, in the Bible. The Bible is really uh, God's story. So 66 books that, that are, in fact, actually telling us one big story. And so in, in his book, we see the story, but it's important to understand that the story, there, there's much that happens beforehand uh, in eternity past. This is the sign for eternity past. And we know that there is an eternity yet in, in the future that, that we're going to see as well. And so God interrupts history and tells us the story here. And even though there's 66 books, one story with, I would say, four main parts. Now, I don't know if you've ever been taught this before, but I want to make sure that you understand maybe the broader context of the Bible. Uh, as, as we read the Bible, we see that the first part really covers the idea of creation. And then there's a second part that covers the issue of the fall, when sin entered into the world. And then God actually tells us the story of how he redeems us. We have redemption as the third part. And then the last part of the story uh, is really one that is about restoration. And so we have these four parts of the Bible that are telling us uh, really God's big story for us. And, and what you see is that in the Bible, we see that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we get the story of creation. And, and then we get the story of res, re, uh, restoration in Revelation chapters 19 to 22. And so the first two chapters of the Bible are about creation. The last four chapters of the Bible are about restoration. But there's this middle section that we, uh, that we have to deal with, that the rest of the Bible really, most of the Bible is about this, these middle two sections. And so another way to, to think about these is to remember that God created life at creation, uh, but there was great loss uh, when the fall came. And, and yet God's story is God's story of grace. And, and that's really this third section here where we see Jesus Christ come and live a perfect life and die the death uh, that we deserved. And if we believe in him, uh, this is really God's story of love for us, that we would have a relationship with him. And so really, the last section is also a story of life abundantly, life to the nth. In math, we put this little numerical up here to, to exponentially multiply it. This is the abundant life idea. 
And so God's story of grace is really these four different parts. But something I think that is very important to understand is that we do not live in the creation part and we're not yet living in the restoration part. We, in history today, 2020, we are living still in this middle, these middle two sections with the effects of the fall and the effects of our redemption given to us. And we call that the now and not yet. And this is the reason why we have to wait. It's because we're still living in God's story of grace, but we're, we're living in this, these middle sections that is really the now and not yet. The idea that now Jesus Christ has given us salvation, but we not yet experience the fullness of it. We still have the effects of the fall uh, that still impact our life. And, and so this is very important when we come to understand uh, how we live life. Let me just draw our, our little life here. We're, we're on the journey of life, and, and, uh, and here we are walking down the journey of life that God has given to us. And, and one of the common things that happens is that we experience all the time these significant uh, roadblocks. We have this block that comes into life. It comes in, into our life in, in these various ways. And because of that, we live in this now and not yet that experiences blocks. And so we have moments where we, but not by even by our own choice, we have to wait because of the block. And we're asking God, would you please remove the block? And God sometimes is still telling us, I need you to wait for the block. We live in the now and the not yet. And that's why we have to deal with issues of waiting. So I want us to take a moment now to just discuss together. Today's more of a seminar, not quite a full sermon. And so I'm going to ask you whether you're sitting at home alone or as a family uh, to, to either write this down in the notepad or discuss it with the people around you if you have that. If you're on a blanket in the picnic in the park, then for sure discuss these questions together. Uh, here are three questions to take some time to discuss. First, how does knowing that there is one big story give you comfort and hope? It should do that. But there's a second question. How does knowing that there's one big story cause frustration? Sometimes that happens too. And then lastly, what are some good things that you desire, but you are experiencing a blockage in attaining them? For example, God says that work is good. And, and so you're like, I want a job, but I just lost my job. I, I desire that. I'm, I have this blockage of not having a job and I'm not getting it. So what are some good things you desire, but you're experiencing the blockage? Where does a blockage occur in your life right now? So take a few moments now and discuss these questions. Maybe write them, jot some things down in your own journal, and then we'll come back and we'll do part two. So we're learning how to wait for God in the dark. And clearly Habakkuk tells us that God says, if it seems slow, wait for it. This is an instruction from God. And yet we have great difficulty in waiting for it when it seems slow. When I'm impatient, I make a left turn. I want to introduce a tool to you called left turn, right turn. And in this, 
our default mode when we feel like things are slow is to begin to do things on our own. It, that's called left turn. And so when I'm impatient, I, I make this left turn. So when we're, when we're living life and we're walking this journey of life, what we oftentimes find as we're walking down this journey is that we come across uh, these, these blockages, right? We talked about how we run into the wall of, of, that blocks us. And, and as we do that, many times these blocks are actually for, for things that we actually have uh, good desires for. And, and these good desires are... Uh, shown in the book of Habakkuk. In the book of Habakkuk, we see that Habakkuk has come to God and he's, he has uh, said to God, um, God, I desire that you answer me, answer, answer my prayers, right? And then he says, please protect me from violence. And third, he says, God, I, I want your justice to, to reign again. So this is what Habakkuk has been has been saying. Now, we also have these, these things of, of, of good, this, this cloud of good desires that we want. We also experience this because we say, God, I want, uh, I want some very important things that are good desires, things that you want. I want peace. Or I, I don't want peace. I, I want provision. Many times we're asking God for protection. Or we just want, to, want something for a, a, a good future. Now, none of these things are wrong to want. They're, they're all morally good things. We, we desire these things, but what we find is as we go through life, we're on this journey and something is blocking us from receiving these things. And so I find that I want this peace, but... But why is it that I have so much conflict in my marriage? Or, it's not marriage conflict, I, why is it that I lost my job? God, why did, why did that happen? I didn't do any, I wasn't even doing anything wrong. I want your provision. God, I, I want your protection. So why don't you give me a visa to a country that I could actually be protected by? So many of us in our church are in that situation. Or maybe, God, I want a good future. Why did you reject me from the, from the university that, that I wanted to be in? And we struggle with these blockages of good desires. And what James tells us is that when we run into these blocks for even good desires, we step off the road and we kind of bushwhack our way through to get around that very thing. And James calls this, I got to walk right sideways here, over desire. And what happens is I keep running into this blockage. I keep running into this wall, desiring good things. And what ends up happening is I begin to want this more than I want anything else in life. I begin to actually make some, some really, uh, really scary statements. I begin to say, I can't live without it. Or I say, I need it. Now, 
And we get these to the spot where it's a demand, and really what this over-desire happens is it becomes an idol in our lives. It's the thing that we concentrate on all the time. It's the thing we want most all the time. And so we're constantly trying to get to it. And, and listen, this is the story of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, Habakkuk has said, God, I want justice in my country and in my nation. And I, we can't live without it. And we need it now. And I don't like your answer in the midst of that. And so what ends up happening is that we begin uh, to do something called, uh, called left turn. We make this turn right here, and, and we're going to call it the left turn. And this is my version of self-salvation. This is when I'm doing all the things that are necessary to make these things happen in my life. And we begin to, uh, we begin to, to pursue these things so much, it, it driving us so much that my emotions... are full of fear, they're full of self-pity, they're full of anxiety, I'm anxious. We see that these, these emotions are, 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 are so important that now uh, what happens is uh, these things equal a clenched fist. I want these things so bad. And so I'm going to do anything I can to get there. And what we end up doing is, three common responses is, I try to fix it. Or, I try to flee from the situation. Or, third, I give up. And actually, uh, another way to think of these things is, uh, I, I'm, I determine my own fate. I'm how I'm going to make it happen. Or I am in denial about what's going on. Or if I'm going to give up, I'm in despair. Now, this is our default way of functioning. This is the way that we oftentimes, when we come against these blockages, we don't wait we are trying to do something in our own strength. We're relying on ourselves to fix it, or we flee from it, or we're giving up in it. And God actually has a story about what happened a few hundred years before Habakkuk uh, of the northern kingdom of Israel, when they were going to be conquered by Assyria, what they did, and God has a very clear response to that. So let's look at that now. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 50. When we look at Isaiah chapter 50, we see God responding and speaking and confronting to Israel about how they have tried to save themselves. And he says in verse, verse 2, Is my hand shortened that I cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? And then the next verses kind of show, uh, again, these rhetorical questions that help us understand, wait a second, they should have trusted God, but they, God is saying, is my hand too short? You didn't think I could actually do this? And, and what the Israelites in the northern kingdom did is what we often do as well. We create for ourselves a Jesus, a God that we can control. We create plastic Jesus. So you see this little image here. This, somebody has made this little plastic image. And, and whenever we make an image of our own making, whenever we make a, a God of our own making, a, a little plastic Jesus like this, man-made, 
there's always a design flaw. And the design flaw that we make, according to this verse, is that we always make his arms too short. See his stubby little arms here in plastic Jesus? That's how we make Jesus, that's how we make a Jesus of our own. And so in this, we see here that, that God identifies the problem that we don't think we, that he can rescue because his, his arms are too short. So we do something else instead. And he identifies that in the last verse of chapter 50. So Isaiah 50 verse 11 says this, Behold, all of you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. God says what they did was they got taken out of exile and they went to, to Assyria. They were in Nineveh. And, and in that, they started trying to find their own way out of the situation. They, they were making a left turn. They were looking for self-salvation and they started fixing things. They were lighting torches to find their way out of the dark. This is called torch lighting. And, and what we often do in torch lighting, I'm going to draw a little torch here, okay? When, when we have torch lighting, we, we're trying to find our own solutions. We're trying to shed light into this particular situation or dilemma. We're, we're, we're trying to make it up on our own and salvation. We, we fire light. We light the fires of these torches. But notice what God says when we do that. The last phrase of verse 11 says this. This you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. Wow. So Isaiah chapter 50, verse 2 and verse 11 tell us that the end result of making a left turn, which is our default, is torment and its hopelessness. When we try to fix the problem on our own, it turns into hopelessness. And God is trying to rescue us from that. If we try to remove the blocks of even good desires in our life, in the default way that we usually turn to the left in this way, it results in hopelessness and grief and wailing. Now, this is pretty common for all of us. So I want to have you discuss a couple of questions again and just pause and take a moment here and think through these questions. They're up on the screen. They'll say this. One, when you, your desires are blocked, how do you normally respond? Do you tend to try to fix or flee or give up? And describe whatever that is. If you normally fix it, describe what it usually looks like in your life. Question two, what desires do you have that you currently are longing for someone to grant to you? Question number three, how do you interact with God when you don't get what you feel like you need? And then how do you interact with others when that same situation is happening? And then lastly, and make sure you get to this question, so if you have to skip ahead a little bit and come back and do some of the other ones, that's okay. What might God be inviting you to do? So whether you're sitting alone or you're in a group, take some time to process this. Maybe if you're, if you're just by yourself watching, write some answers down here. If you're in a group, talk together a little bit about how you would answer these questions together. And then we're going to pick up the, the, God's response, what he teaches us that we should do in these circumstances.
So we're learning how to wait for God in the dark. And we've, we've talked about why we have to wait. And then we've talked about when we're impatient, what we normally do. Now we're going to learn that waiting for God in the dark requires, this is what he says, instead, we need to make a right turn. And this is God's salvation. And he tells us that we're going to have to wait for his salvation. And so when we look at Isaiah chapter 50, we see that if you try to rescue yourself, it's going to result in hopelessness and torment. But if you look, there's one verse beforehand in chapter 50, verse 10, God actually tells us how we are supposed to wait for him in the dark. He says this, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So so he tells us the the way that you rate is that you trust and rely on God in the dark. This This is what he tells us in Isaiah 50 verse 10. He says that if you're going to learn how to wait for God in the dark, that, that's something that we, you, you make a right hand, you turn towards God to in this way. And that's really hard to do. I don't want to wait. I want to do something. Listen, when my marriage is in conflict, I'm trying to do everything I can. I'm trying to make the other person do things. Listen, we're going to counseling. We're going to get this fixed. Or, or we're finding a way. Listen, we're, we're in denial. We're just kind of floating through life and we find relationship uh, needs through other methods and other means. Or we just give up and say, forget it. The marriage is over. We're done. Those are the common ways that we struggle with the blockages in our life. But God says, no, my salvation comes when you wait for me and waiting entails trusting and relying on me. Actually, Isaiah chapter 45 verse 3 tells us even a little bit more about how this works. So in Isaiah chapter 45 verse 3, it says this, I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. So in this verse, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3, we we see something very important. We, We see that God says that there's treasure in the dark. And he actually tells us what that treasure is. If you see here at the end of the verse, he says, I'm going to give you the treasure that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God, personal name for God, the, the God of Israel who call you by your name. He says, the treasure is me. The treasure is God himself. That if we were to wait for God in the dark, he would reveal to us a treasure that's incredibly valuable. It would be himself. That's why he wants us to wait in the dark. In dark days, God wants me to wait in the dark. He'll even sometimes be the one who puts the block in my journey. That's what he told Habakkuk. I'm going to do something you won't even believe. I'm going to send the block of the Babylonians to take you into exile. And Habakkuk is like, what? God, that can't possibly be. And God's the one that put the block there. Why? Why does he put blocks in our lives? It's because 
It's how he teaches us to hold his hand in the dark. That's what Isaiah 45 verse 3 is saying, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, personal name for himself, the God of Israel who called you by your name. He wants this intimacy of relationship. He wants you to reach out and hold his hand in the dark. It's because he wants relationship with you. God knows that if he gave you these good, even these good desires too soon, and you didn't have to learn how to wait for his salvation and wait for a relationship with him, that that would actually be bad for you. And that, in fact, when he puts these blocks here or allows them to happen because it's good for you, it's good because you learn how to have a relationship with him. And so a good God puts a block to our desires so that we find the treasure of him in the dark. Listen, he wants to give you the answers. He wants to give you particularly good and godly desires. But more important than that, he wants a relationship with you where you take your clenched, clenched fist. Remember these emotions where that are all clenched and I want these things so bad they become my idols. I worship them more than I worship God. I want them so bad. And he says he takes your clenched fist that's holding on to your own hand and he causes you to open them up so that you would reach out and hold the hand of Jesus instead. This is what we've been learning of how to abide. Without me, you can do nothing. He knows if you hold on to your own ways, it will result in hopelessness. But if you would release your clenched fist and hold on and trust and rely upon God in the dark and reach out your hand for him, that is the wonder of a relationship with him. So he says, listen, in this block, I want you to, I, I want, I want you to watch for my perspective and I want you to wait for me in the dark. And then I want you to worship me in the midst of those things. We're going to learn more about that in, upcoming, in the upcoming messages. And when you add all of those things up, it's going to cause wonder. When we have the wonder of a relationship with God, it changes us. It changes my emotions. And I move from fear and self-pity and anxiety, and I move to rest and to confidence in Him and into hope. God changes us when we see the wonder of the relationship with Him that is the great treasure that we have, and it turns it into Hope, hope for dark days. When you have the wonder of God, he unclenches our fist, holds his hand out and says, take my hand in the dark. And we learn to wait in the dark and it results in hope. Listen, still maybe some tears and some lament in it but full of relationship and the wonder of God that leads to this hope. So I want you to process these with a couple of questions, and then I'm going to pray and close us in our lesson here today. Question number one is, where do I need to lift my eyes up from the longing that is being blocked? 
So many times we get focused on that longing and on that blockage and where instead of looking around do I need to look up to God and look for his perspective? You might need to repent of some things to be able to do that. Question two, what would it look like to trust God, to hold his hand in the dark in the situation that you feel the blockage in right now? This is a step of waiting and and faith. This is a step of belief. And then lastly, ask God to reveal himself to you as the treasure in the dark. To, to, To reveal the wonder of the treasure of who he is. So that you can take steps of, of active steps of, of, of waiting for him, of relying upon him, of trusting in him. Because, because you want to wait for him in the dark. And you want to hold his hand as he leads you to his place of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please teach us how to wait for you in the dark. Lord, we know that when you give us a command an instruction in your word, you do not leave us without the possibility to accomplish it. Lord, so many times that requires us to repent of trying to do the work on our own, trying to rely on our own way, our own thinking. God, we repent of that. We believe that your way is best, that instead of turning to our default in the left, that we should turn to your salvation on the right, even if you say, wait, Lord, would you teach us what it means to wait for you, to abide in you, to see the wonder of relationship that is a treasure far greater than the answer to our prayers, to the block of whatever is there. And that, Lord, in that, that you would rebuild within us hope no matter what the day, the the darkness of the day is. God, we love you and we trust you and we praise you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.